You're listening to Culture Matters, a podcast of the Village Church. Hey, this is Adam Griffin, your host, and I'm here joined in studio with the recently vaccinated Adam Hawkins. Adam, how are you today? Feeling good, man. Good. Just immune to the flu in every way possible. Flu ain't got nothing on me. (laughs) That's great news. (laughs) And we also have in the studio with us today, Chris and David. David is our producer. David, how are you? Doing well. Awesome. And Chris, who's normally behind the glass, pushing the buttons, Mm -hmm. our sound engineer. Chris, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing excellent. Good. Well, on today's episode, we're going to talk about three topics, three cultural topics. We'll kind of bounce around a little bit, and we'll get kind of from the sillier end of what's going on in the world today all the way to some serious uh, inner workings of Christendom. So we'll start talking about some awards for some crazy research that's going on right now, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, some big hacks you may not have even heard of but may affect your bank account one day, and we'll take that all the way to what is a gospel issue in today's culture. So I'm looking forward to this. Guys, you looking forward to it? Yes. Amen. Adam? So excited. Okay, good. All right, let's do it. So one of the things that's happened recently is the Ig Nobel Prize was awarded, or their prizes were awarded for 2018. This actually happened, I think, um, in September sometime. Okay, so I'm not super familiar with this, and probably some other people aren't either. What is an Ig Nobel Prize or Ig Nobel Prize? Nobel. Ig Nobel. We should probably just like look up a a good and concise definition, but looking at what they're awarded for, I think it's like um, sort of... Uh, crazy research that people are doing. Uh, Wiki, but it's real Wiki, research. Wiki defines it as okay. a parody of the Nobel Prize awarded every autumn to celebrate 10 unusual or trivial achievements in scientific research. That research. is a wonderful... Research. Wikipedia, again, wins Coming the in internet. Clutch. That's uh, how I got out of college. <laughs> got out or did you graduate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so these are actual is. research projects yeah, that people got money, got funded they're, for. They're unusual and trivial, and it's amazing that somebody is spending their time as a PhD oh, somewhere man. in some institute, whether it's a college or some research institute, actually studying these things. And then it, they're not just studied, they're published. So these are published findings that oh, people man. have. So I can't wait just, to hear this. I want to read some of them that are appropriate for our uh, religious r- listeners. So the first <laughs> is the Medicine Prize. So again, it's given every year. It is a parody of the Nobel Prize, but these are real. This isn't, It's they're not fake. It's not they're made real. up. It's, it's not, not a parody. And you're listing of the, the 2018 winners? I'm listing the 2018 okay. winners. And so the first um, was uh, a prize awarded for... <laughs> Uh, two two researchers um, used roller coaster rides to try and hasten the passage of kidney stones. So <laughs> yeah. they literally did research on. They put people with kidney stones on roller coasters and then saw if that made them pass kidney stones faster. And did they have like a really sad, no fun control group that's on the ground right. with kidney yeah, stones? They just yeah, they just have to watch. Yeah, they must have. <laughs> they had to. Have. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. And I'm also wondering like, how do you become a participant in these studies? Well, as somebody somebody in the room, I'm not going to say who because a HIPAA has had kidney stones. It wasn't me, but I'm wasn't wondering. Me. Do they think I've had lots of kidney stones? Well, there, so you volunteered it. Part of the do reason. Do you think a roller coaster would have helped? Yeah, 
Uh, Should you went no. to Six Flags? I think no. the better question would be, would it be worth the pain? That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, you're so what uncomfortable, like? and you're in so much pain, and then somebody's like, get on a roller coaster. I think I would have like... shake your insides see, out. Yeah. I don't see it that way. I feel like it's the opposite. It's a win-win. It's like you could pass the kidney stone, and you could be distracted. Distracted And, and go it. have fun. That's a good point. But they don't pass it on the ride, right? It's just whether it would hasten it. They're not talking yeah. about they well, get off and all these stones are left on the coast. No. <laughs> Who emptied their pockets full of pebbles? Yeah. <laughs> that would be incredible oh. research. <laughs> and that was that was literally published by the prestigious the Journal of American Osteopathic wow. Association. I don't know. That Do we know their findings? Did they say they approved? Uh, I did so let me just say this. I didn't take time to read all of this research. Okay, if this somebody just... wants to go in and update us, they certainly can. Okay. And listeners, if you want, you can comment on our Facebook page and, and tell us what you think about these. Yeah. Um, I, I would assume that it did work, though, it right? Did, I because actually think it did work. It says validation, yeah. the, the actual... Right. There, I think, yeah, the Ig Nobel is just like, it's a weird thing to study. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. But I do, think, I do think I remember reading an article that said it does actually help. That's well, there you go. Yeah, six okay. flags. There's an anthropology an prize. Uh, <laughs> the researchers came out of Sweden, Romania, Denmark, Netherlands, Germany, Italy, Indonesia, uh, and for these people, they study. They collected evidence that in zoos, chimpanzees imitate humans about as often and about as well as humans imitate chimpanzees. <laughs> <What>? Are you serious? <laughs> yes. So they're walking around doing human impressions. Yeah. And the people are walking around doing Dude. monkey impressions. Yeah. I'm. It's like very meta. It's like a black hole. You know when you look in like you put two mirrors. <laughs> Recursion. Up <against> each other? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like that. You know. Tr- with this one, I'm trying to figure out like why though. Like so that why the one, study it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I the, don't the know. other one has some comedy. Like, you know, makes sense. But why? It, it, maybe get, like evolution. I'm something specu- connected with. I'm going to speculate that it was some primatologist who was bored and noticed monkeys in a zoo imitating. People and go, sorry, apes, because these are yes. these are for the primates out there. Yeah, yes. they're tailless <laughs> creatures. Uh, and they saw chimpanzees imitating humans, and were like, "Oh, I can write a, I can get published for this." You know, that was their yeah. idea. It's to well, there's meet be... their tenure quota. Or yeah, something, <laughs> you, know? you gotta get published. <laughs> yeah. Just finding their niche. Adam, what are some of the other ones? Okay, so biology prize. Uh, this also a lot, of, a lot of people here from Sweden representing. So Sweden, Colombia, they Germany, got a lot France, of time on their hands. Way to go, Sweden! Ikea. Isn't that where the Nobel Prize is given in Sweden? Maybe I'm making that up. How do you, I was going to no, say it is a Scandinavian country. I think it's Sweden, but okay. I'm not. So yeah, maybe, maybe there's they're something aiming going at on. these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Keep so for demonstrating that wine experts can reliably identify by smell the presence of a single fly in a glass of wine. Mm, so that, that's crazy. Somebody in biology in in a in the field of biology decided to uh, test whether sommeliers could detect a fly in wine just that, by smell. But is the fly alone. on the surface, or can it be anywhere in the wine? I wonder. Um, that's crazy. I don't know. That's crazy. I don't that believe by, it. that they say they could reliably. Yeah, reliably. Not just like some occasionally identified a fly, but reliably could identify a fly. A sommelier really is kind of a fascinating thing. I'm that's it's a weird thing that somebody can taste wine. There's something to me that tastes like the same all over the place, but they're so their palate is so refined, they really can taste weird things. And right. the the ones that I know of like their job is also sort of like a winning the lottery. They get to literally travel around the world right. and like it's sample like, wines for a restaurant. It's super stuff. competitive, right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying right now, but I can't. 
my palate's like, not refined. You just mm-hmm. like drinking whole cups of flies, trying to figure <laughs> out how are they doing <laughs> this? Figure it this tastes out. the same. Yeah. Uh, there was a chemistry prize. Sometimes it's uh, these prizes are awarded. What I love is like they confirm things that human beings have already known for like thousands of years. Oh, uh, let's hear this. This one's great. Um, for measuring the degree to which human saliva is a good cleaning agent for dirty surfaces. Now that is useful. <laughs> Dude, moms have known that forever. Moms have always known its ability yeah. to clean dirty like, surfaces. And it so. lays hair that's sticking up down. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's basically nature's cleaning product. Um, this, this one, yeah, medical education, there's not a whole lot we want to say about it, but um, let's just say it's lessons learned from self-colonoscopy. <laughs> lessons learned from self-colonoscopy. I wonder if it was more of a memoir. <laughs> like, lessons learned. Just sort of, you it's know. Crea- it's a creative piece. Yeah, it's yeah. a real creative piece. Uh, Interesting. Iowa's writing program. Somebody was up there and decided to... Uh, there's a literature prize. Um, oh. For documenting that most people who use complicated products did not read the instruction manual. That's no surprise. That's not a surprise at all. Again, something everyone knows. They I don't can right. attest to that. Yeah. What, what would deem something a complicated product? Toothbrush. Um, <laughs> I don't know. My guess is shoes. like putting together IKEA furniture. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Gosh, those are so complicated. And they just yeah. go for Toys. it. People, most people just go for it. They're like, "Hey, here's the products you're supposed to have." We'll give you half of those and some stick figures. Good luck. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard like uh, a human being close to me, not on TV, say tons of swear words was when we got a ping pong table for Christmas and my grandfather was trying to put it together outside. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because he wasn't reading the instructions. Yeah. So, Grandpa, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you for the lesson. Um <laughs> Let me see a nutrition prize. This one is really interesting for calculating that the caloric intake from a human cannibalism diet is significantly lower than the caloric intake from most other traditional meat diets. Oh, so if you're looking gross. for a new diet out there, don't uh, try cannibalism. <laughs> well, you could, and you, you know, it sounds you, you, you'll definitely lose weight. And we have time for one more. You want to do one more? Um, Here's a good one. This was a piece. This is the Ig Nobel Peace Prize oh. uh, for measuring the frequency, motivation, and effects of shouting and cursing while driving an automobile. <laughs> um, <laughs> that one was really. That great was probably too. not very hard to let, find. Let me yeah. just let me just give you the last one. It's for the Ig Nobel Prize in Economics, and it's for in- guess, investigating whether it is effective for employees to use voodoo dolls to retaliate against abusive bosses. Whether it's effective, effective. whether it's effective or not. <laughs> what I'd is love that? To so they know do you what feel anything right now? Somebody yeah. out there. Hates you and they're stabbing a doll of you. How do you feel anything? Um, yeah, I don't understand the tie to economics. Is that what you said? The economics? Yeah, yeah that's a good economics. Point. I'm not sure. Anything happening in the market? I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, in the marketplace. I don't know. Be honest. Do you have any voodoo dolls of anybody in the room? And if so, <laughs> have you seen anything efficacious come from stabbing yeah. them? I don't have any. Okay, I'll get you um, some. It's comforting. And I. I think it might not it's, work. Yeah, there's a good chance. Yeah. But somebody out there paid right. for that research. That's what's shocking to me. Yeah. That's the economic side of it. Mm. Does Look anybody else's feet feel like they're on fire right now? <laughs> <laughs> so Listeners at home, if you're stabbing <laughs> something that looks like me, please stop. Please stop. <laughs> it hurts. This feels like the, the end of the... Have you guys ever seen Burn After Reading, Coen Brothers? Oh, yeah. Sure. So, yeah. so it's just this very absurd movie. And at the very end, they're like, well, what did we learn? And so I was thinking about this conversation. Ends, right? Yeah, I was like, uh. <laughs> but it's a good. Yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. I it's a, it is something about academia though that you can get something approved and paid for for something that really does nothing but furthers your own educational career probably. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, so maybe it's cool to see that some I don't know some self-deprecating humor here. Like it's a realization that like some of what we do is pretty silly and absurd. Oh yeah, like I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I don't know that there is a great lesson. I do think <laughs> I, but I do think to know that like this is something that like just so you know, like the award ceremony happened at Harvard University. Like this is Real. something that's happening uh, in our culture. Uh, and does culture matter though? Well, Culture in this matter. case, <laughs> I do think it is interesting to to you see things like that, and you're like, oh, there are people out there who are thinking about things that literally never cross my mind. Yeah, you know, hey, and that's where great inventions come from. Sometimes that's yeah. true. So, the saliva that. sprayer, you yeah. Know, now instead of <laughs> yeah, instead of Windex, we're gonna, we're gonna be seeing that on television commercials pretty soon. Well, I think we could probably learn something more from our next two topics, a little bit more <laughs> maybe from these first ones. But Adam, we're going to stick with you for a minute. And let's talk about uh, some of the biggest hacking events in history, so, which are happening right now. So I was um, traveling uh, the other day, and uh, I do what I generally do, which is... Cursing buy... in your car and researching how effective it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stabbing voodoo. I want to read that one. I uh, honestly okay. do. I want to see how effective <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I maybe it is. Um so anyways, I my wife actually like guessed beforehand she wrote down on a piece of paper which magazines I would buy because uh, I always buy a magazine for the plane to start. And to she start always off. plays the mentalist. And she plays the mentalist and she guessed it exactly right. Uh, one of those magazines is Wired. I buy it every time. And in uh, the issue from, from August, um, there's a story about uh, the most devastating cyber attack in history. And if you've been following the news at all lately, I really probably over the past several years, um, what's becoming apparent is that there is a sort of a global cold war being played out by um, large governmental institutions sort of against each digitally, other. Digitally, though. Digitally. It's right? a digital cold war, basically, that's happening. Inclu that includes the NSA here or whatever really? arm of our stuff that's uh, obviously happening in Russia and it's happening in China a lot during the um, sort of worst days of, of the Syrian encounter. I don't know if you remember, there was like Syrian hackers doing a lot of work, um, mm. hacking, trying to disrupt banking industries and all kinds of things. Mm. And so I think a lot of times we hear about it from this, you know, it's the either the lone hacker anonymous or somebody sort of out there trying to, to disrupt like whatever, you know, institutions as vigilantes or something yeah. but to to recognize that this is happening on the world stage by our by our governments the most powerful governments in the in in the world uh, is really dangerous and what you see here what this article is about uh, is about a uh, hack that happened um, I think in the last year it happened in June 27 of 2017 basically the NSA developed a uh, hack. Uh, that was really dangerous. It got released into the stream. Russian hack into the internet somewhere. I don't know. Okay. Russian hackers basically grabbed that, modified it, and then uh, the Ukraine has sort of become a battleground where lots of this stuff is happening. So sure. they they uh, because things can't be tied back to them. Basically. Yes, basically in destabilized countries right. or destabilized areas right now, that's where the war is being fought. Sort of like the Cold War back in the day. Right. It was these proxy wars like that were sort of happening. Like yeah, right. And so now you have these same proxy wars happening in different areas. 
through a series of unfortunate events, basically what ended up happening is um, this this hack ended up infecting the major ports all around the world. This big company, it's called Maersk. I don't know how to pronounce it. They own one fifth of all shipping in the world, and it literally shut yeah. down the world's ports for two or three weeks. Yeah, those big shipping containers are all Maersk. That's right, and mm-hmm. so. Uh, all over the world, things shut down. Um, Wait, it, this happened in 2017? Mm-hmm. And it cost billions of dollars. None of us heard about it? Barely anybody hears about it. I've never heard but about it. I heard about Merck, it. Merck, our big uh, pharmaceutical company right. th- uh, that's here, that they were infected. It cost them uh, upwards of $800 million. Wow. Uh, all these giant companies were infected. It basically shut down their computers, and it uh, infected all their computers and wiped their data. So the problem was that even their backups, so it even infected, infected wow. their backups were wiped, so they couldn't go back and get these old you know their their old backup tapes and use them or whatever they're using these days it's just like mass chaos it's it's mass chaos but what they were saying was look if this could happen by basically what it accidentally leaked into the ether it was attacking like a ukrainian banking system but because there were accounts in that ukrainian banking system that were connected to these other companies it went out into the world on a wider scale and basically what they're saying is it did billions of dollars in damage but what if it what if it did something like um infect our big banking institutions what right. if you couldn't literally couldn't buy anything for a couple of weeks because you all of our accounts were were wiped yeah right. all of our bank accounts digital. are wiped you can't get money out of atm so cash isn't an option your checking can't be verified like what would happen to the world and what they were saying is we're way more vulnerable than you think we are and in a sense our biggest governments are sort of maybe like they were during the cold war uh, being very, very careless with um, what amounts to not a true nuclear weapon, but but something that could ruin the world if they're not careful. Wow. So in the 60s, you have logical governments, reasonable people with their hands sitting over a button ready to destroy the world. Right. We now have reasonable governments who are attacking each other, and, and there are bystanders who are losing tons of money, and you know, disrupting streams of commerce and everything else. Who knows what the effects could be? And you have these same governments who are playing fast and loose and with these of kind of instead of brilliant scientists, they're like seventeen-year-olds yeah, on right. their laptop. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Is this yeah. the same thing as the big Facebook hack and all that stuff that's going on? I'm like, not sure. Okay. You know, it's I don't a lot know of if times, that one was Russian, but I guess we're not talking specifically about Russian. A lot of times, forensically, you know, they don't even know what's going on until there's like forensic work done to find out. Oh, well, this is where it it's happened. Long this is where it came. It's, it's after the fact. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, there was the one that we did that hacked a bunch that laid dormant inside all those Iranian uh, nuclear power plants and nuclear facilities. We basically hacked Iran. That's where Russia got a lot of these hacks, got some of our tools from. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, it's really interesting when you start seeing the landscape. And one of the things that struck me, you know, that might be helpful for our conversation here is not only, is not to like scare people, right? Oh man, the world's ending or something like that. I actually just texted Helen, told her to pull all our money out of the bank. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I I actually just texted my wife to go rob Helen. Yeah, okay, good. Um, (laughs) It's starting. uh, It's it's not that, but it's to go, it's, it's to think... You know what? These attacks have been happening more and more. Russia's a big player in those. China as well. We are as well. Um, and and you start to think to yourself, um, you know, these the things that are hitting our news cycle serve so much as distractions to big problems that are going on in the world. And so you think about election cycles coming up. You think about all these things. The things they're going to be talking about are 
do you like this person or do you not like this person? Barely any policy even gets talked about. Mm. Are how how you know how mm. are their re, you know Republican bona fides? How are their Demo- Democratic bona fides? You know, but what really is the, the stakes are super high when it comes to stuff like this going on and us holding our own governments accountable and asking our government to hold other governments accountable. You so know what then, I mean? So then what does the Christian do in a world where this could easily become like a sky is falling moment where you're like, oh, I just, I don't want to enter into culture. I don't want to be a part of it. Or <clears throat> the, I think the more common hacks that we hear about are more like uh, the issues are around my privacy, not just around my yep. money, but what a, what if somebody else gets my information? What if somebody steals my identity? What does the Christian need to respond to these things? Is it just, oh, that's interesting, there's a Cold War out there? Or are you saying this is going to have personal ramifications that a church leader needs to enter into or that a Christian needs to consider? I think first and foremost, this is more of a posture, but I mean, the response for a Christian is not to respond in fear. I mean, you, you want to hear this information Use use wisdom, make make good and smart decisions, but like as Christians, and this goes to you know the whole political climate climate right now. You can just see on social media someone who doesn't have an identity, yeah. and sort of um, their personhood isn't wrapped up in a religion, specifically Christianity. It's wrapped up in things like this, and so like you know, this midterm election means everything. People's lives are at stake. Like that's literally how they see it. And that's, and you understand why there's so much animosity, why there's so much fear. Same thing goes, you know, with the whole Supreme Court justice situation. There's so much at stake for people. But as Christians, it's, you see a situation like this and it's weighty, um, you know, the fact that this is happening and we don't, we're not even talking about it and that it could really affect our lives is weighty and we want to be prepared. But it's like, we're people of hope. We know how this story, like we know what story we're wrapped up in ultimately, and we know how this story is going to end. So I feel like there's just a great amount of security Mm. in that when things like this happen, for me at least, you know, like that's the way I feel. I don't feel, it doesn't rock me the way that I think it could if I didn't have that identity and foundation, if that makes sense. It presses me to further want to, I'm not saying I do it perfectly, but to to all the more sort of double down on the idea that I'm caught up in God's story. Because when I look at this, we were talking about privacy and things like that. It's going, I want to, I want to be the type of person where, um, where I, you know, if you're hacked, if anything happens to you, you, you're, you're, you just are secure. You're secure in the Lord. You're secure in knowing, you know, that, um, that he has you, you're secure in knowing what your story is. Uh, if, if something goes horribly wrong with this, you know, weird cold war thing happening going on, it's, um, I think at the same time, it's wanting to go, uh, my story does not start or end with the story of my nation or where what conflicts they're involved in or not doesn't mean they're not important um it but i'm rooted in a different story and it goes back to i mean matt says this a lot you know when we talk about situations like this but it doesn't surprise god it's like it's our you know we we serve a god who's not surprised or taken aback you know by these things it's like he's sovereign you know Mm -hmm. he's omniscient omnipotent thank you Mm -hmm. um and he, yeah, he knows all these things, and he knows where it fits into the greater story. So yeah, it just gives me a lot of comfort. Yeah, what's fascinating, and you kind of joked about this with a 17-year-old the computer, is all the advances we have made as humankind, again, humankind will always find a way to uh, manipulate it for selfish gain, whether it's my nation wins this or 
I love this, or in mischief, I love to see other people scramble. I think it's more evidence of a broken world that needs a savior. And whether it's one smart 17-year-old that figures out, figures out I can take down a whole system if I just do this or click this or or if it's a nation that says we can really win this or, or um, affect their election or affect their the path of, of uh, their country or this war if we learn how to digitally battle these things out. I think that's – it's a new world. It's a little bit interesting, but in the same – in some ways, it's the same old world we've always had. People find new ways to flex new technologies to do the same old stuff, serve yeah. themselves. But I think yeah. there's something – I will say there's something different – Yes, that's true, but also nuanced. There's something different about the the what we're inhabiting now. You know, the world we inhabit now. I think there is something to be said about technology and how quickly technology has sped up, even in our own lifetime. That the wars that are happening now aren't even fought by flesh and blood, but fought in these di- in this digital. You know, in this. I thought you were going to say by like powers and principalities of this dark world. No, I was going to say in this digital <laughs> realm, in this digital sphere. Yeah. Um, look, here's the re- you, you want to know reality. Like uh, when when the Roman Empire was defeated, and there was a darkness that fell across the land. Basic, I mean, you know, like yeah, you yeah. can make arguments about this. The only institution that held was the church, mm-hmm. right? That's who came out uh, and provide provided sort of a stability in those times. Uh, that's why you saw in Europe. Uh, across so much of the European landscape, you know, during the Dark Ages or whatever you want to call it, you saw the church actually rise in power. They were the only institution really left standing that mm. had that was that was global in a sense. Not glo- global is the wrong term, but that was at least European, continental, you know, in scope. So very big things can happen in the world, right? Very troubling things can happen in the world. Times do change. Technology and, and times don't change, like you're saying. Uh, there are new sort of powers that are that are fighting here in this world, but I don't think our answer changes. I think that's what we're trying to right, say. Right, yeah. It's it, Because of the rapid change of technology, it, it sort of gets at all the more the need to be rooted to something that's, that's unchanging and is timeless and is not, you know, it's not affected by any of these things. That helps us kind of segue to our last topic then, because this is, I think hacking is one of those issues where people might say, well, why don't you guys just stick to a little bit more like, uh, you guys, we are none of us in here experts in hacking, right? Uh, Maybe I mean, you are. You read Wired mean. Magazine on every traveling trip, apparently. <laughs> but uh, I watch Mr. Robot. Oh, well, that, qual- that qualifies. I travel like once a year, so okay. I read like one issue of Wired a year. <laughs> side note, by the way, I know that you're trying to transition no, us right good. now. Let's side Mr. Note Robot tra- is a very good commentary on this particular yes. discussion. Yeah, yeah. It sounds, I maybe didn't think about this, but they are taking a lot of these sort of storylines and running with them in yeah. a show. I, did, I just haven't maybe made that connection. What is much. Mr. Robot? Mr. <laughs> Mr. Robot's the story of a, a hacker. Um, and He's my imaginary friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's it, that's actually a really hard show to like sum up. But it's you know it's about a hacker. <laughs> but there are a lot of like world events and things on the line because of hacking. Huh. And you see like a whole government shift and change because of hacking. So that's why I say it's it's very connected to some of this. And I haven't gotcha. watched the latest season, so I don't. Okay. I'm not Here, let my friend Mr. Robot explain. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, David. <laughs> he's actually he's a guy. <laughs> well, uh, we wanted to conclude today's episode, uh, if we could, by talking a little bit about what is and what is not a gospel issue. So we just talked about hacking as if it was an issue for 
Christians to enter into, but let's talk a little bit more big picture, not as specific, but are there things that we would say, hey, since we're all about the gospel, we don't need to waste time talking about this, or since we're all the gospel, all these things are under our purview. Yeah, okay, cool. and I brought this one to the table just real quick. Yeah. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of like who's saying what, but there is definitely a... Um, Within evangelicalism right now, there's somewhat of a split on this issue, whether or not the church should see social issues, take them seriously, be involved. I mean, we've had this conversation over time in the church, you know, throughout history, but, you know, it's it's top of mind right now. And there have been things written, people arguing, all the, you know, there's a lot of this going on, trying to define what a gospel issue is and how that how the gospel relates to social issues like race, I politics, things like that. For some people who may not be aware, definitely not me. Um, <laughs> what are we? What are we, What are you saying when you say is this a gospel issue? Well, I, I mean, I'll go back and just say, like, thinking of hacking, uh, Christians shouldn't just care about things that are clearly Christian, right? When this whole podcast is about thinking about culture, I think this question's a bit different than saying is hacking a gospel issue Mm -hmm. like saying should christians care about something i think is a different question than saying what's the gospel and what's not the gospel and what's a gospel issue so are you you're asking specifically not what should christians care about you're asking what is a gospel issue right what are we saying when we say is is this a gospel issue like what which is what i think we're trying to kind of answer and discuss yeah 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 um I, I'm saying broadly, not like, hey, is this or is this not a gospel issue? When you we're say, saying, what do you mean when you a ask a gospel that issue sounds like Christianese to me? Yeah, I think there's. So I would say what you, what I'm hearing, and you guys can correct this. What I'm hearing is there's sort of two arguments happening right now, and both sides seem to be talking past each other. Mm-hmm. One side, in in a sense, seems to be saying. Gospel issues are those primary issues of the faith that have to deal with the gospel, which is the good news that Jesus came to live a perfect life, die the death I reserve, deserve, be resurrected, uh, and that's a hope All that I can All the things you would find into. in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, the Apostles' Creed. It is right. A gospel issue is literally... Um, would be something that deals with that story of the gospel. So if I came in and said something like, um, man, this church out there is denying the divinity of Jesus, that would be a gospel issue. Uh, Mm. Man, those guys are saying that, um, you know, this church or these people wrote a blog that... um, denies the the resurrection of Christ or that or that says something bizarre about the resurrection or something like that it'd be like oh that's a gospel issue that's an issue on which if we disagree there's serious yeah. ramifications and there's no debate really there's no debate not, not within really. this circle anyway right yeah. now yeah. everyone would agree that those are gospel, gospel issues there's Close another side issues. that yeah. seems to be saying when they use the term gospel issue it seems that they're more talking about um the idea of if if you um, believe the gospel, the outworking of your life will be such that it demonstrates something. Uh, a, a different way of putting that might be to say, um, if you talk about the gospel and you realize that the gospel is the greatest, is partly that gospel influence people will be living out the greatest command to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Neighbor love, right? That's a big piece of it, is to say, well, it, it, it would be a gospel issue if a, if a gospel-believing Christian looked at their neighbor and spat on them, in a sense, right? Like right. there's a sense in which they're kind of connecting uh, or looking at the implications of the gospel. Is that fair? Would you guys say those are kind of 
two sides that are happening? Are you seeing it nuanced differently? Does that make sense to you, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I just wanted, for clarity's sake, to say, like, like what are, what are we talking about when we say, is this a gospel issue? You know? I think that's the debate that's yeah, happening. Yeah, that, that's the debate. And I think we're trying to talk about what we... We haven't gotten there yet, really, but what we believe... I guess you were kind of getting there just I was now, trying but, to set up the yeah, debate yeah. to say, but, this is why it's even a disagreement. Yeah, yeah. Right. We yeah. want to talk about, I think, where we would land in terms of labeling something a gospel issue. A gospel issue versus, like, a social justice issue? Yeah, yes. something separate. Right. Like, and someone might say, yeah, that's great. You can pursue that on your own outside of the, the church proper. That's great. It's a good thing, yeah. but it's not like... But the it's church not shouldn't necessarily be concerned specifically about that they should be concerned more holistically about about preaching about literally preaching the word of god on the weekend and then uh, doing evangelization if you're stepping outside of those two areas and this would be the most like Like this this is a bit of bit of a caricaturization but basically saying the the thing the church should be concerned with is saving souls winning souls for jesus christ and if you're not doing, and if you're not doing that, then you're focusing on something outside of a yeah, gospel. And, issue. and anyone who follows the village, and then now you know you have Eastside Community Church, which Adam represents here. Um, our cards are What's already that? on the table. People know kind of where we land on this. That you know we're a church that has talked about racial harmony. We've talked about abortion, even though that's an interesting little topic in the midst of this, because that's always the exception. I feel like for most people is like, everyone would say that's a gospel issue. But anyway, that's side note. So our cards are on the table there. So everyone kind of knows where we land. I'm curious to hear this from Adam's perspective, because you you just planted a church. Yeah. Is your, the hard launches will have already happened when this podcast airs, right? Yeah, it's about to happen for me. Yeah. So how have you thought about this? Like you're starting a church <laughs> and you're thinking about social issues, even like local social issues sure. in regard to immigration, race. Uh, where do you, how do you decide if something is of biblical importance or a gospel issue? I think uh, two things that pop immediately in my mind is, is what if they're not? Uh, like what if, what if the opposite is true? What if none of these issues are gospel issues? Would I be okay saying like, I am all about the gospel and taking no action or doing and saying, I have nothing to do with these things going on. No, I don't think any church or any Christian could say it's not a gospel issue. So I completely remove myself from activity. Uh, the verse that comes to mind for me is when Paul is talking in Galatians about rebuking Peter, because when people of a certain race are together, he's hanging out with them. Then the Jews come along and then he feels awkward about hanging out. So he stops hanging out with them, hangs out just with the Jews. What Paul says is I rebuked him because the way he was operating was not in step with the truth of the gospel. So what he, what Paul is saying there is that there is something to do that is in step with the gospel. And it looks like being friends with all peoples and understanding that the gospel is for all people. And then there's something out of step when you exclude yourself, when you express prejudice, when you uh, are partial to certain groups of people over others. And that's exactly the discussion that a lot of people are having right now. Like, hey, churches, uh, some people think the churches are not saying enough. And some people say uh, it's saying too much. For me, what I've told our people as we've gotten ready to launch is there will always probably be someone who's frustrated with me because I haven't talked about something that's in the local or national news and we our church should be talking about it. 
and there's somebody else in our church who's going, why do you keep talking about these issues that are in the local and national news? And the truth is we'll have to pick and choose what we talk about as a church altogether because my job is to shepherd them through things. Now, my primary job is to shepherd people to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means that we'll have to help them navigate the culture that we exist in, which means we cannot stand uh, passively by when injustice is happening around us. We have to be active in it. So a common argument, I guess, I've heard is like, hey, you should be preaching the gospel and only the gospel. And if you're preaching anything other than that, then it's, you know, heresy or whatever. So, so what you're saying is, yes, you should primarily be concerned about preaching the gospel, but it's also your job to, to not necessarily assume that your congregation is going to make all the inferences that they should to say like, I, oh, I should be stepping into this or I should be doing this because the gospel says this. You're saying, yes, the gospel says this. And here's how it plays out in your life. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying if you limit the gospel to just the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, say all I can do is mention that process which redeemed people, I'm saying you're missing an aspect of the gospel, which is that it transforms lives, lives that exist today through through the power of that resurrection. And I would even take it further than that. I think a lot of this comes down to how we define the gospel, and I think that yeah, someone's not going to see something like racial injustice as a gospel issue if they think the gospel is merely Jesus saving them from their sins. It is Jesus saving them from their sins, but I think a healthy view of the gospel is to is big picture, which includes the the what you could maybe I don't like to say some, like the smaller picture, which is Jesus saving us from our sins, but to say that it's God reconciling all of creation back to Himself through the death life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And like, and then, you know, you get the end of that story, which is Jesus coming back again, all tribes, tongues, and nations Mm -hmm. living, you know, people represented from all tribes, tongues, and nations worshiping God for eternity. So if that's what the gospel is, then to me, anything that steps, like uh, anything that sort of opposes that um, or stands in contradiction to that storyline, that narrative that I just explained is a gospel issue. Like, because it's like, that makes racial injustice really easy. It's like, well, God loves the nations. Like that's, that's the, the gospel is that it's, it's God reconciling the nations back to himself. That's the end thing that we're kind of headed toward us. You know, to be be fair to the other side though, I think what, what, what would, what I've heard said is something like, yeah, but when you make everything a gospel issue, nothing's a gospel issue. In other words, like the things that seem sort of, political mm-hmm. it feels like the church is stepping into very political waters sometimes as if we're taking a position as, and saying as if it's the gospel so it's more about i in in the way i've heard it to try to prevent to to give a more balanced view because i totally agree with you guys by the way but to to present the view i've heard that's a little less like extreme maybe is the one that just says um like okay take it this way you you can say racial reconciliation is a gospel issue. But when you start getting down into policy considerations, how's that mean? Does that mean I should be for or against affirmative action? Or does that mean I should be for or against the, how does that mean I should see the lens of police shootings? Or I think that's where people are more saying like, it seems like what you say when you say something's a gospel issue is I have to vote this way or that way. Or I have to pick uh, this side. Or I have side. to pick this side. Or, right. or similarly, like immigration's a big one right now, right? So people, maybe you don't hear the word immigration is a gospel issue, but it's what people will almost like throw that out. Like if 
So, for instance, when— Because uh, if it trumps any opinion, you might have the opposite because you're saying Christians believe Christ- this. That's, that's what I'm trying to say is it sounds like people are going, wait, you're trying to tell me, like, if I, if I don't want to grant amnesty for the, immigrant, the immigrants who are, not, who are living here illegally now or dreamers or whatever you want to say, then you're trying to tell me that I'm not a Christian because that's a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the nuance has to come in yeah. and say, look, I'm, we're not saying every policy consideration, but like, I do believe that Christians can look at situations and sort of, um, I, I don't know, think through the lens of neighbor love, think through the lens of what it means to, to be a Christian and what it means to be transformed by the gospel, what yeah. it means to have our lives transformed by the gospel and say, um, who is our neighbor? I mean, this is such a big question. Who is our neighbor? Right. And, yeah. who, and how are we called to treat our neighbor? And it, and it's not, it, it, it simplifies things a little bit. I don't think it means that everybody lands in the same space when it comes to po- like very clear policy considerations, but I do think it means that some things get right. come and off that's the what, table. I think, yeah, you know? I think, absolutely. And I think you know? the church is doing its best work when it's helping people understand how the Bible connects to this issue yes. and not getting into all of the policies. Sometimes you may have, you know, ha- have to use wisdom and, and maybe talk about something like spe- very specific that's happened locally or globally. Yeah. But we're, I feel like we're doing our best work when we're giving people the biblical intuitions to then take that information that, you know, through Bible literacy yeah. and then applying it to topics. But yeah, I think you that's do really get into good. dicey territory when if you're spending all of your time in sort of the current event, because yeah, I mean those things change all the time. It takes tons of research to even wrap your head around a policy or yep. thing that's happened. But that's what I mean when I say if the opposite is true, if all that unites us is that we believe that Jesus Christ died and resurrected, and then any other policy is okay, and you say the gospel doesn't affect any policy decision, I think that's also not true. Well, well, what you're saying then is that God doesn't care about justice, at least right. justice on this earth. And or that that's God why only reconciles us to himself and doesn't have anything to do with interpersonal relationship, which that, is not true. That's where the arguments about social justice are really off-putting to me. One, the fallacy of the arguments from Genesis, like just because Mark said something. Um, I, I, might, I might get something for this, but I, when I hear people appeal to like, oh, that's critical theory or that's something like this, I know automatically they've sort of moved moved into political territory in their own minds. Um, like, so, so frankly, like uh, that part bothers me. The other part that bothers me though, is the, the, this sort of attack on social justice as if God doesn't like justice Mm -hmm. and as if justice doesn't have some social aspects to it. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, people don't like, in other words, people don't like the language of social justice, some of which because of its Genesis, that's fine. And that's fine. But take it on its own terms and what it means. Like if what's, if, and that's why I think it's so important to sort of define terms. But if what all we're saying is that the gospel will, will have an impact on issues of justice and that those issues obviously have societal impact, then I don't under, I, it's hard for me to understand the controversy at that point. To me, the only controversy is, is if you get too caught up in some of those things, or you begin to disconnect it from the saving, atoning work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. But so long as you're always keeping it tethered to that, it, it, it feels like, yeah, it, it feels right. So th- I would say that's the only danger is if I mean, you get so distracted by something that you think that s- change and transformation can actually happen outside of the saving work of Christ, then, then, then I think you're in trouble. But that's not what we're saying here. No. I just, I don't under, like, God's concerned about the poor and widows. 
Right. I mean, the whole, after, after this very debate that you're talking about, when they go to the In Jerusalem Galatians. Council, yeah. uh, James is like, yeah, yeah, Paul, all of that. But as also as, you remember the poor. Yeah. And there's this thing where I'm kind of going like, I, I, now, again, policy consideration, I don't necessarily, I'm not saying I know what that means, but it right. should mean a Christian who walks around and goes, I have a lot of money, I don't care about the poor, is not Follow being Christ. obedient. And right. Christ says, or John says in First John, he says, to love Christ is to obey his commands. And so mm-hmm. I just, it just, I feel like what's happening is like, the whole picture is being fragmented somehow. It's like, I'm just going to take the, well, what you're saying, I'm just going to take this one piece. And on the other side, it's fragmented. I'm just going to take this one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, th- in some sense, it seems like a, a recapitulation of like liberal theology, or not liberal, but liberation theology or the social theology s- stuff that was happening in the 60s. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know that that that's what it's trying. I'm, I th- it feels like that's where the debate is being forced, but it doesn't have to be. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what people are being accused of. That's but it. I yeah. just feel like that's not happening. All the all yeah. the men and women, the leaders that I follow who are speaking up on social issues are not divorcing those social so, social issues from the, the saving, gospel. atoning yeah, work exactly. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just, because the love of my neighbor is rooted in the love of my God. Right. right. So because I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. I love my neighbor as myself. Those are the two commands that Christ said. These are the greatest things. If these, this is everything hinges on this. You love your God, and the next one, which makes sense based on the first one, you'll love your neighbor, who is the image of God. Yeah. Whether they are unbelieving, enemy of God, whatever, or whether they are your brother or sister, we find a way to say what does neighborly love look like. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a fun three topics. I feel like we went from the most silly topics we've ever had all the way to some of the serious, we're going to get emails topics. So uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed listening. I certainly enjoyed talking about it. Chris, final thoughts? Uh, I don't have an email, so don't bother. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>